because you think about it, you come here with those high aspirations, with this strong belief of the American dream, and then you go down this pathway of、uh, realizing that no, it's not the case. No matter what I do, I can't run away. I have a problem I can't fix, Jason, which is I'm black. This is through a different set of eyes, a podcast that aims to tackle preconceived notions, address life's challenges, and spur new thought through honest and sometimes tough conversations. I'm Jason, and I'm Eddie, and we're just two regular guys, but from very different backgrounds. So join us now as we seek to examine the human condition through a different set of eyes. Your、um, being the outsider coming in and being able to to see that happening, right, and to be、right. a part of that, that's 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 interesting. But it it also helps to identify it. It also helps to to unlock it. Right, and I think it's that outsider coming in. Right, I'm not again. I think I, I think when as an African, people view you that、uh, that you don't come in with the same amount of baggage, the same amount of anger. That builds over time for being black in America. Let's talk about that. Right. Let's talk about what what that anger means. Right.、Um, and 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 and, I, and I'll be honest with you. Over time, I think I've said this to you, and maybe I didn't. I've I've grown I've grown more angry over time, based on my experience of being, even though I'm African. It's of being black in America. I actually hate the concept of African and black、mm-hmm. because I think we're just one people, right?、Mm-hmm. You only know I'm African when you ask me where you're from,、mm-hmm. right? Or when you pick up my accent. But I hate that concept because I think it separates, divides. Yeah, it's just that div- that division that is unnecessary that doesn't need to happen. Because if you think about it, I've always gone back to this notion, and I've I've, I've looked at it and I said, imagine, imagine if all black people, right, got together and started looking at each other as one people, and said, you know what, you may be over there, you may be over there, no matter where you are, you're going through the same thing in some way, shape, or form. I am in no way, shape, or form qualified to talk about. The topic of diversity within blackness. Right.、Um, it is only something that I've really started to have my eyes opened up to recently. Right.、Uh, after attending a, a, a rally, where、um, the the there's a local group called Black Men United. It's、mm. uh, I believe it's、uh, I haven't had the chance to to really meet and get to know them, but I believe it's run by uh, uh, a younger black gentleman who is、um, very inspirational. Uh, very strategic, very motivated.、Um, but he was he was hosting this rally, and he a- acknowledged the white people that were in the group,、right. and said thank you for coming.、Right. And then turned to you know his chest rose, and he kind of addressed then the the larger group and said, our next step now is to acknowledge the diversity within our blackness. Mm. And start to come together around a common set of goals. Yes,、right? and so he was he was alluding to what I assume are some of the the micro divides, like you've identified,、yeah. of African versus 
Right. I only bring that up because I think um, that separator, that division has, um, is something that I felt directly. Uh, but my point being is that over time, even though I looked at it outside coming in, I don't have that anger. I didn't have that anger. I didn't have that baggage of, you know, I thought, you know, all it takes in this country is hard work. If I work hard, regardless of what I look like, that's what that's the American dream. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter where you're from, regardless of what you look like. If you work hard, you live a good life, um, you are going to succeed and you get a fair shot. That was my perception. But over time, that's that's not what happens. That's not that's not the reality of what actually happens on the ground. It doesn't matter what you do, but you're still looked in that prism. Of being black now, so what I did is I came into everything. I would go into every opportunity and I would work hard. Mm-hmm. My perception was I'm going to work hard. I'm going to prove myself, and they will see me. But they don't, and yeah, so I, I hear a big butt coming. <laughs> they, they don't, and now now you start getting that. That's the transition of being. Um, oh my God, this is great! Now to being angry. Over time. Now, I only say that in that the reason why black Americans, and I understand it 150% why they feel like most other black people who are coming outside cannot relate to that is because you haven't gone through that as much as they have. We're talking about generations Mm -hmm. and generations. Yeah. Right. The the historical significance. Right. Right. That there's a lot of power in that. People, until you understand what, knowing that your ancestors were slaves, right? And then they moved on. They were, they, they were slaves. They, were, they didn't have any rights. They were not considered as a people. They were considered as animals. They were sold. And then later on, they moved on to not having any actual rights, mm-hmm. you know? And then even after they got basic rights, civil rights, they move on to an era whereby there's that... Um, institutional, structural racism and inequality within the justice system that is is deep within mm-hmm. society mm-hmm. that nobody else sees except them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I think, I think, I think that that, that defines a lot of who they are as a people. Mm-hmm. That defines a lot of what they come with. And, and I think... I'm becoming, I've morphed into that, which is, which is, which is something that I now fully understand. I don't, I would never understand it the way they do because I, I'm outside coming into the situation, but I think I understand it. But that is the, that's why there are divisions. But to wrap this around real quick is that the solution, I think the combination of all black people into one powerful force yeah. is a powerful message to the rest of the world that you are all going through, we are all going through the same issue and we need to come together and come up with a constructive way of moving black people forward and moving them out of that current scenario, those current situations. So this is, this is the story of you learning how to be black in America. Right. Or, or rather, this is the story of you learning to be black in America. Right. And it's, 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 it's a, it's a power, it's a tough experience mm-hmm. because you think about it you come here with those high aspirations with this strong belief of 
the American dream. And then you go down this pathway of uh, realizing that, no, it's not the case. No matter what I do, I can't run away. I have a problem I can't fix, Jason, which is I'm black. I can't change that, which is very difficult. If you think of it from that perspective is that you, 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 I have a problem I can't do anything about, right? For me to be able to cross or to be successful or to fully go through my potential without any hiccups or problems. That is tough. It's, that, it's difficult. And I think to me, that's, that's what informs where we are right now in the country because there are people on the other side of the fence that are looking in and saying, I don't know what you're talking about. This is, this is great. That's exactly what's going through my mind right now. Right. right? And, and I'm, I'm now starting to get angry as, <laughs> as we're having this conversation because I'm, I'm identifying these, these nuggets, um, sitting here as your friend, listening to your personal story and hearing right. you say the words, the color of my skin is a problem is a problem in and of itself. Right. That, that, that's, that's terrifying to me. Right. White people do not have to go through this. Right. Right. I have never looked at the color of my skin and said, this is a problem. I've never had to frame my own body in a way mm. that diminishes its power. Right. I, I've never gone through that. And a lot of the people that you're talking about on the other side of the aisle are the exact same way. Right. They, they've never had to go through that, but they also aren't taking the time to listen yes. to what this experience is that you've, yes. that you're going through and understand why you feel and, and perceive things to be this way. Right. And so this is the start of the anger that you talked about before. Right. Right. Can you give us some, some examples of, of either surprising or unexpected moments where you felt Obviously, you don't have the shared history right. of black right. Americans, but where you started to understand how the institutional racism and inequality within our society that was built on that history right. is now leaning on you and your attempt to live your best American life. Well, and let me let me say this is that I will never be able to fully understand the black experience. I don't think it's so. It's I think. Uh, I think I, I can't speak and do justice to it the way, you know, uh, black Americans would do. Right. But what I know for a fact is that my experience is centered on the fact that I am I have tried. I have always believed that the notion that I think what what the difference is that in, in, uh, um, Americans have. um have the uh, the beauty of knowing that no matter if they work hard, the, the you know you're gonna amount to something, right? So to answer your question, for me, I think the slap in the face or that transition or the some of my examples, if I if we were to get into this, is more knowing that no matter what I do, no matter how much work I put into, the first thing that defines whether I make it or not, right, is that mm. unless if I'm in sports um, or I'm in entertainment of some sort and I achieve success that way. Just as a different. personal note, I've seen you play sports. I don't <laughs> think that that's going to be your arena of success. I just, <laughs> you know, the fact that you bring this up now is <laughs> pr 
priceless. Um, that 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 arena, that that pathway, and that door closed <laughs> a long time ago. Um, so sorry, not to not to break you out yeah. of what is otherwise a uh, a very serious, intense topic, but yeah. um, bring you back into that. So, tell me a little bit more about how your perception has changed. Right, you talk right. about learning. To, to understand what that black experience is right. through living it, through the years of being here, through 25 years of being here. Yeah. And you now are understanding where the anger comes from. Yeah. And you, you have that anger yourself. You've learned to be angry. Right. And, and it's justified obviously. Um, but now you are a father. Yeah. Of two very beautiful Thank Black you. Yeah. American children. Yes. Very American. Right? Yeah. So now tell me a little bit about your, <laughs> how do you face that? Like, I, like I, 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 sorry that that might sound callous the way I phrase that, yeah. but like, how do you, how do you look at your babies? Right. Who are, how old are they? Uh, 16 and 10, 16 and 10. How do you right. look at, at your babies? and know that you are bringing them up in a world that disadvantages them. You know, and, and that, I think, oh, that is where most of the anger starts, right? Because I think, uh, first of all, it starts on the personal level because you're saying, I got to do well, I got to work hard so I can do well for them, so I can take care of them. I think as a parent, every parent on this planet wants to make sure that their offspring are well taken care of. Mm-hmm. They're given the same opportunities and their same access to stuff, mm-hmm. right? You also want to protect them by any means necessary from everything out there. And I think as a parent, when I became a father, um, one of the things that happened is that with my my daughter, when she came, I had this feeling of, man, I'm, I'm so excited, but I'm nervous because I'm going to have to deal with them punks on the street who are trying to talk to my daughter, mm-hmm. Right. And that was my biggest fear. Like, I got to protect her from that. Uh, as she grew older, that fear transitions to, I got to protect her from what this society will do to her mm-hmm. because she's a black female mm-hmm. in America. And black women in America go through some of the toughest experiences in the world, mm-hmm. given the fact that most of the men in their lives are either incarcerated eventually but at all they face the struggle of trying to survive in a system that's stacked up against them because they're already considered as dangerous right so that starts it and then so you have a lot of women that are trying to take care of sons and daughters by themselves because the men in their lives are either in situations or have been put into situations by society that makes it difficult for them to participate in the raising of that family, mm-hmm. right? So that's one. So so one of the things that I face as a father is that there's that transition with my daughter, but then it goes into that when I had my son, the reality of being a father of a son in America then slaps you in the face because now I'm more concerned and fearful for my son. And it's, it's difficult when I talk about this because that really it bothers me because I'm more fearful and concerned from, for him because there's a point, he's the most amazing little dude I know, 
I call him the model 2050. <laughs> he's a way better version of me. Like he's so good. He, he's a that good, we agree on. <laughs> the guy takes better pictures. He just he just looks better. He's just a well refined, well model. He's a Tesla. <laughs> you know, I equate him to being like that premium vehicle that you look at. You're like, man, look at that. Yeah, that's how I view my son. Yeah. Um, uh, and and I love that. Uh, I love looking at him and seeing like he's a good, kind-hearted person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I know for a fact, and he's very. He's got friends that like him. They want to hang out with him. Both white, multiple races. He mm-hmm. lives in Jersey City, so he has that access to different races. Mm-hmm. So his friends are. It's a, it's like a rainbow nation, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I know for a fact there's a point where my son is going to go from ah oh, cute. Like, oh, adorable, we like him, we love him a lot, too. Mm. That's that black boy. Hmm. There's a point where he's going to go from cute to dangerous. That's coming. Hmm. And I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid of him walking down the street and having to be looked at as potentially being up to something no good when he's not. I'm afraid of him having not, you know, and part of my goal is to make sure that I make sure he comes home. Mm-hmm. Just that basic. And then not only that, I want to make sure that even in school, that he's not looked upon as, or left behind, mm-hmm. or put in a group of people. Uh, there's that educational side of this where you put black boys in schools uh, are kind of left to the side or they go through issues that other boys don't go through right in school because you're already looked at and viewed in a certain way and that 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 fears and that drives the anger mm-hmm. because now you're saying there isn't so much i can do and then with everything in the news you know one of the toughest stories i i i i i heard about um was um a little black boy who was playing in the park I should know his name. I know his name. I'm forgetting right now, but he was playing in the park um, and he had a toy gun. What people do, I mean, little, their kids are right there, they will play regular mm-hmm. water gun. Somebody saw that, called the cops. First thing, cops, within seconds of the cops arriving, they shoot and kill him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, that to me is, was devastating. That could have been my son. He could be outside playing with his toy gun. And next thing you know, somebody sees that from out the window. There's a little, there's a boy out here who's playing with a gun. Or there's a, you know, somebody out there playing with a gun. They don't define or explain what it is because they don't care to know or find out. They just view that as dangerous. Next thing you know, there's a mother and father out there that are crying and that their lives are shattered forever because of that. And so that to explain to you, that, that to me is tough. And now my experience is how do I, my main motivation in life is how do I make sure my daughter is okay mm-hmm. and safe and fight for her so she has equal treatment in whatever she does, but also how do I get my son to one day be to get to the age of 43 and be able to have his own family and make it 
through these tough years that are coming up. Because mm-hmm. I know the next 10 years he's going to have to, within the next 10 year period that he's about to go into, he's going to have to deal with a lot of difficult things because I'm not always going to be around. Mm-hmm. And, and my hope is that I'm going to be able to equip him to deal with that in some way, shape or form. And so the idea of equipping your son to deal with this, I think it is what I have recently learned about um, a topic that is called the talk. Yes. So for, for those who are listening uh, and, and are white um, and don't know what the talk is, tell us a little bit about that. The talk is that moment where um, black parents sit down and have a conversation with their kids on how to act in society in general but especially how to act when they interact with law enforcement, Mm. right? The talk is that conversation where you sit down and you say, son, when you are stopped by the police or questioned by the police, these are the things you should do. This is how you should act. And these are the motivations or drives you should have so you get to come home. What are these rules? Rules are, do not, it starts off with, first of all, do not make any sudden movements, cooperate fully, and and um, always ask to have, so these are some of the rules that I had. I, I didn't think I would have a talk, the talk with my son, um, but that happened um, this year because of after the George Floyd situation. Murder. Yeah, murder. Not situation, murder. Yeah, George Floyd murder. That is correct. After the George Floyd murder and that playing all over TV, it became necessary that we have a conversation with him because that's something he didn't understand. And then also the shattering of his image of what a police officer is. Hmm. Because the way he has viewed police officers after that is that they help you, they protect you, they're heroes, they're looking out for you. Right, you somebody you call when you need help. Um, but after that, now he's looking at it and he sees some of the images on TV and he's asking, why is that happening? I don't understand. Now you have to say, okay, it's time to have that conversation with you and explain to him. So uh, for me, it was a conversation of, um, you're gonna have to be, everything you do, you are going to, unfortunately, you're going to always look at it and say, I just want to get home. You're going to have to look at it from that perspective, meaning you cooperate fully, right? You do not talk back, right? You, you, you make sure you do not make any sudden movements at any point in time. You make sure you, you, you respond correctly. Um, and uh, don't be confrontational in any way, shape, or form. Your objective at all times is to go home. And that's it. It doesn't matter. And, and, and <clears throat> at some point, what we have always told him is, ask to speak to your parents. Don't answer any questions. Hmm. Or just say you want to speak to you. I need my mom and dad and call my parents. So... 
one of the big things that I'm taking away here and that I'm reflecting on as, as you're sharing the story with me, which thank you, because I, I can assume that this is not a comfortable topic to talk about, um, especially the safety of your own children. Yeah. And I can see it in your eyes right now. Yeah. Like I, it's tough. It's really, yeah. it's really hard to, to hear it, let alone, I'm sure for you to say. Right. Right. Um, a part of this conversation and effort that we're having here and in understanding each other's experiences through a different set of eyes right. is so that we can better understand and reflect on why we're so polarized on a number of topics. Right. And what I don't have an answer for, but I'm trying to figure out is if someone is listening to this story right, and listening to your praise of uh, your, your little, 10 year old, beautiful son, the yeah. Tesla right? and, <laughs> yeah. and picturing, you know, his skinny little frame and his yeah. big bright eyes. Right. And, and like just the, the, the gorgeous smile, like that little boy. And you just said it, he looked up to cops. Yeah. He saw them as figures of safety. Right. He saw them as people who help when you're in trouble. Right. Uh, the children's books that he yes. had growing up, the television shows, Puppy Patrol or whatever, yeah. right? Like there are all these symbols in our society that show and tell children that that cops are heroes. Right. And they are. Many, they are. many, the majority, almost all oh of them God. are. Yes. I have yes. cops in my family. Yes. My grandfather was a cop. They do tough work. <sighs> Insane work. Right. And it takes a ton amount of courage. Yes. My, my question is, and it's not for you, it's, it's, it's for society. Mm-hmm. Um, my question is, if you have a 10-year-old innocent boy mm-hmm. who views cops as beacons of safety and, and, and are heroes, yeah. and then they're forced to be exposed mm-hmm. to the violent brutality that exists and they're forced to be exposed to this on a reoccurring basis yeah. because these incidents keep happening. These murders keep happening. And then your father has to sit down with you and explain to you yeah. the rules of how to stay alive. Yeah. At no point in time, did you say anything about how you combat cops about how you uh, confront cops no. about how you make their lives harder or hate them. You weren't trying to change his perception of no. cops in a, in a, in an angry or confrontational way. You were doing it solely with the instructions of staying alive, son. Yeah. Staying alive. Yeah. Now you have a young man who has gone from the idyllic perception of cops are heroes to cops can be a threat. And, and so my question for, for <laughs> everyone is if you are, if, if you don't understand black lives matter and you are constantly touting all lives matter or blue lives matter, yeah, you're not wrong. But when you say blue lives matter and you want your cop friends and your, your cop family members to come home safe. Yeah. My question for you is what do we do about this young boy? What do we do about his shift in perception? Why does why is that necessary? Yeah. How do we address that? 
help come to us with solutions. Yeah. Bring, bring me a solution. If you think blue lives matter, if, if you think all lives matter, then we need to create a society where all lives feel safe around cops. Right. That, that is the goal. That is the only way we are going to achieve a world where all lives matter. Right. So help us understand that. What's the solution? Yeah. I mean, it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tough question, but I think it almost starts with going from the perception that people, black lives matter is not meant to denigrate or almost say that all lives don't matter. I think black lives matter. The way I view it is to say, is to remind people that those lives, because the, 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 those people that you see on TV being shot and killed for doing absolutely nothing at all, their lives matter too, right? You know, and, and, and I think uh, that's the recognition because I think we all agree that, we all agree that all lives matter. I don't think anybody would tell you that some lives matter than others, but I don't think that's what Black Lives Matter movement is. Black Lives Matter is saying that, just remember that black lives do matter. Two. Two. T-O-O. Right. That's, exactly. that's, that's, that's the unspoken probably, part of it, right. but that's the intent of that's it. That's the intent of that statement. Right. And so, um, you know, you know, Jason, I got to tell you, I think a lot of what we do right now is the lack of understanding, right, of other people's life experiences. Mm-hmm. And when you when you operate from a position of ignorance, not even like or the, not without the desire to fully dig into it mm-hmm. and understand how people can perceive that, like. My, 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 my son, he, he went from seeing cops and being comfortable to seeing cops and then walking around us to avoiding them. Right. You're motioning that your son like hides behind hides your behind back or almost you, clutches a, closer. Yeah. Right. He comes and, to you for safety right, and security. It's not safety now. But that perception, the fact that that has happened is not to say that the police officers he has had interactions with have done anything wrong. In fact, most of them in Jersey City are amazing, mm-hmm. right? They, they, and to one of the things that I think has to be said is that generically speaking across the board, all police officers are good people who are looking to do good things and protect society. Mm-hmm. There are bad elements in them that obviously need to be rooted out and pulled out. Mm-hmm. But I think the conversation, it's its a structural thing about the justice system that needs to be resolved. Well, and, and I think that that's another piece of it that I want to address, yeah. which is there's this, there's this response. I don't know if it's quite an excuse, but there's a response, common response that is, well, there's a couple of bad apples. Right. Okay. Yes. There's a couple of bad apples everywhere, <laughs> right? Whether you're a surgeon, a cop, yeah. a, a firefighter or an airline pilot. Right. But there are steps that are taken to train airline pilots and surgeons. And there are systems and educational tools and mandates and certifications and training to ensure that when your life is in these other professions hands, that you are protected and safe. And so structurally, structurally, there are failings within our police system. Right. So if you get angry at us for saying that, you know, we need to take a look at 
policemen. Right. What I'm really saying is that we need to take a look at our system right. that trains them, right. the way we hire, yes. the way we, you know, do we have a diverse police force yes. that is that is representative of the community? Are we hiring police officers who live in the community and know the citizens that they're meant to serve and protect? Yeah. Or are they being shipped in from somewhere else? Yeah. Oh my God, dude, that's, that's, that's it. And, and until you address that, this is never going to change. That's why I think this the, the 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 movement or the desire to have a revisit, a relook at the justice system and and the policing system is, is so important. Mm-hmm. It's so important because until you address that, then you're never going to solve this problem because it's going it's always going to come up. And I think um, that 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 begins with a process and having conversations like what you and I are doing right now, where you are coming from different uh, perspectives, but you're bringing it together and trying to better understand why people feel the way they do. So Eddie, I think that that's a a good stopping point uh, for this episode. Um, We'll leave a little bit extra for the the coming episodes in the series, but uh, I want to thank you for sharing your story today and your background and giving us the opportunity to to dive deeper into some of these tougher topics. Yeah, I know. I mean, you know, that's the whole point of this is learning from each other. And I want to thank you for being open to talk about this on a deeper level and us just going into it. But most of all, I want to thank you, the listeners out there. Please do us a big, big favor and make sure that you hit the subscribe button. We want you, we want to invite you back into the family and be a part of this conversation on an ongoing basis. Uh, and we'd love to hear your thoughts. We would like to know what questions you have, what topics you'd like us to dive into, what your reflections are on the conversations that we've been having. So feel free to find us on Instagram and Twitter. Our handle is at diff set of eyes. That's D I F F set of eyes. Or you can email us directly at diff set of eyes at gmail.com. That's right. And we want you to connect. We want you to talk to us. We want you to share your thoughts, your experiences. And if you have any questions, let us know. You never know. We may be coming to you. We may reach out to you. We may be reading your stuff on our air on the next episode. So thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Until next time.